Welcome to Frame of Reference, informed, intelligent conversations about the issues and challenges facing everyone in today's world. In-depth interviews with Sauk County's leaders and professionals to help you expand and inform your frame of reference. Brought to you by the Max FM Digital Network. Now here's your host, Raul Labresh. And here we're back again to the last of a four-part series of interviews with Jeff Wright, our uh, local superintendent of the school system here at Sauk Prairie, Wisconsin. And uh, if you've been listening to the other three episodes, you know he's a sparkling conversationalist, although not much of a moviegoer. So, um, but, you know, we, we have to take the good with the bad. So, uh, Jeff, thanks for being here again with me through this long ordeal. So, but uh, it's gone by my, quickly. My pleasure. I Thank think, you. right? Yes. So, um, okay, one favorite thing. We have to, we're starting each of these episodes. Normally that's just one time, but we're spreading it out across all four episodes. But here's my favorite question, and it won't be about movies. Okay, so we have already... Don't worry about movies. Not asking you about that. Is there a favorite personality trait that you like in people that if a person has this trait, you'll you'll be able to be friends with them pretty quickly? Wow. Uh, you go, oh, I like that guy or I like that gal. I really I want to talk more with them. I really enjoy relationships with people who make me think. And who make me think about the world in a way that I hadn't before. Okay. And that can be just about anyone who, I guess, accepts the challenge of sharing themselves hmm. with somebody new and, and, and offering something that makes me think about the world differently. Sure. Um, I really enjoy people who are willing to take some creative risk. Okay. And, and and be bold every once in a while, um, whether that's in their personal life or whether that's in their work life. A, a lot of my teammates and I talk about the importance of taking creative risks in front of the kids we serve. Mm-hmm. And as administrators, to take creative risks in front of our, our teacher teams and staff. Right, right. Um, because we ask kids to do that in front of us all the time. Right. And so we need to be willing to do the same. So I, I do appreciate that in the friends that I get to make that – I see that interest in, in in taking creative risks in front of each other, trying something new in a bold way that sure. makes themselves better or their communities better. Sure. Uh, so those are some traits that, I guess, attract me to people. And has the risk. You talked about that one. One of the interviews we did not too long ago, we talked about being bold, you know, just taking the chance that you might fail, you know, but be bold. You know, the, the uh, I always just see the analogy with doing shows of, I'll start out uh, the first rehearsal usually in saying, you know, you can you can approach this whole process of developing this play together in pretty much one of two ways. One is you'll you'll come up to the pool. Imagine the big pool in front of you, and you can put your toes in a little bit. And then, okay, I said, and put them in again, and then get your foot in, and then get you know, or you can be like me and just cannonball in and see where it goes. So. And you try strike me as a bit of a cannonball person, uh, so which is maybe not a bad thing, but it's also like, oh, that's a lot colder than I thought it I was. I did get to take the first cannonball in the brand new pool, <laughs> so that is one of the perks of being superintendent. Oh no, I'm sorry, belly flop, not oh, cannonball. Belly flop, even worse. Okay. All right, well, yeah, you the know, first belly flop oh. in the in the new pool. So. Oh boy, you see, so. folks, if you become a superintendent, yeah, you, you might be able to be the first. Can be the one that takes the first belly flop in a brand new pool. What a so. thing to aspire towards. Yeah. So, so in front of an audience of kids, right? Why not? It's a creative risk. So, it was. 
Well, we, and we're kind of leading up to the big question for this episode is the, the challenge, challenges today that an educator faces and how are they different today from the educators that I grew up with that, you know, were my teachers back in the day. Um, and I, you know, I, we, I suspect we've kind of talked around quite a bit of it just in terms of how parents have been changing, evolving, how kids have been changing and evolving. But, uh, you know, it strikes me that the constituency you work with need to be risk takers more than anyone, perhaps in our society, they need to be risk takers. Um, is that what kind of challenge does that present? I'll talk about a challenge in a second, but let me go back to that risk taking. I, one of my favorite books on education talks about how um, if you're always getting it right, that you must not be risking enough. Like they're, 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 if every single time it's so routine that you're getting every single step of it perfect, that there's something you could do a little bit more. And I'm sure that's the same case with artists and athletes that if you never fall slaloming on a water ski or doing one water ski, that could you be cutting a little bit harder or trying something new? Or if, you, if you're never falling as a gymnast, um, it, if you're never goofing up as an entertainer, like is there, is there something that you, you're not pushing yourself, not being right. bold enough just to try to figure out like what is that next creative risk I have to take, even though I know I'm likely to wipe out, even mm-hmm. though I know that I'm likely to, to fail the first few times, that it's through that failure that you learn. And a lot of our students see failure as, as, or not getting it right, failing at something as something that's really wrong. Right. And it's the it's only bad. way that you get to learn and adapt. And that, so I, I want students to find that, that place of like creative discomfort where I'm getting it right just enough that I want to keep going, but just I'm also getting it wrong enough to know that I'm growing and that I'm learning. Hmm. Um, but your question was about like the just the nature of education and, and teaching and, and some of the challenges right now. And certainly one of the challenges in education is that our technology now makes it so that we are available to each other like 24 hours a day. And that is something that is very different than teaching or being an administrator in the not too distant past. Um, there is now an expectation that my cell phone makes me available almost all hours of the day to do this work. Um, as we've sat here for this series of interviews, you've known that multiple times during the breaks, I've had to manage something that was happening in the school district through mm-hmm. my cell phone. Mm-hmm. And had we been doing the same interview in 1992 instead of 2022, um, there would be no chance right. that I'd be interrupted by a cell phone or be able to manage a school district on a device uh, that's sitting here in front of me. It's the same for our teachers, that online grade books and online classrooms and options for virtual learning, interactions for like, I'm writing this assignment, now I can turn it in right to my teacher at any time of the day. Uh, Expectations of some parents that a teacher is going to be available to answer questions or to interact with a, a student or the parent in the middle of the weekend or the middle mm-hmm. of the evening, mm-hmm. uh, that that certainly has has changed the nature of teaching sure. and the pressure that a lot of teachers face because they want to stay on top of these things, but they also, in order to remain healthy and well, mm-hmm. need to make sure to, to turn those devices off to either be alone, to be with family, to do something that's for their own mental health sure. and, and to not be running a classroom 
every hour that they're awake. Well, and hasn't the, it seems to me the science of teaching has even changed. What we used to call pedagogical um, theory has changed to the point where the way that we used to teach no longer is as relevant. And, and we have found that in some ways it was harmful to try to teach that way, right? Um, how is that, how are teachers supposed to adapt to that? Because they may have gone to school 20 years ago right, or 30 years ago, when you were taught to teach a completely different way than you need to teach today, right? How does that get broached or, you know, continue to develop? The, the teachers that don't want to learn a new way to do it, are there teachers that are like, oh, God, I need a new thing. I, I got to try something new. This just doesn't work. Um, there are two sets of problems with the, the different mindset, right? I'm fortunate to work with a really innovative team of teachers that, that wants to continue to learn okay. and, and find new ways to do things. And I think one of the best pieces of evidence I have for that is what happened at the beginning of the pandemic that we found out on a Friday afternoon that we were going to come back for two days the next week and then shut down on Wednesday. And then during the weekend, everything shut down for Monday. And over that weekend, we had teachers in classes that were announced the spur of the moment that brought so many of our colleagues together in buildings across the district, learning how to migrate to a Google classroom, learn mm -hmm. how to use virtual technology to teach. And this was not just teachers who were in their first, second year of teacher teaching, not just those who grew up with technology. This was every teacher in the district quickly flipping, like, we have to pivot. We have to learn something new immediately so that we continue to serve students immediately next week. And I, I watched uh, a, a teacher who was close to retirement, working with teachers who were relatively young in their careers, planning together, teaching each other, helping make sure that everybody was being kept up. Uh, that, that was really exciting, even if it was incredibly exhausting. And one of my uh, retiring now colleagues who retired uh, after the full year of, of COVID instruction, um, we had kids in school, but a lot of times in that hybrid model, right. um, I remember a story that she was asked if she regretted not retiring the year earlier. And her answer was like, are you kidding me? Like, I would have missed this. Like, this is the year that everything changed and I got to be a part of this. Right. And I, I admire that attitude, and I hope that when I'm at my last year as an educator, I'm still that hungry to try something new sure. and realize that the way that I taught my entire career won't work again this year, even if it's my last. And I could list so many people in Sauk Prairie, as teachers and staff, who have that sort of attitude and that sort of hunger to make sure that we continue to learn something new to better meet the needs of our kids. Sure. The power of a positive attitude. I remember a, a book about that whole thing at one point. Um, and it can be an extremely difficult thing to maintain, right? Uh, is that something that you spend time with the staff to make maintain, to fortify that positive attitude? Um, you know, when you, can you sense when someone is losing it and help them get back on track with it? We certainly try. I mean, there were times during teaching through COVID that was very, it was very difficult for some people yeah. um, because of either medical fragility issues in their own lives or in their household, uh, that anxiety levels were really high among some and really low among others. Mm -hmm. And there were certainly times where 
It was difficult for colleagues to see eye to eye when one person was ready for all this to be done and just move on with the protocols and be done. Mm -hmm. And while the person next door was completely frightened uh, because of their own realities that made it difficult for them to even imagine a time that they'd be okay with getting rid of those safety protocols and moving on. Mm -hmm. And that we as a team had to watch out for each other in that and, and find ways that people could still get together and support each other, but also do it in a way that they felt safe enough to do it. Sure. The mutual trust and respect factor, right? Mm -hmm. To, to model that with one another. So anything that uh, we've talked for four weeks now or four episodes, is there a, a lasting message? Is there a legacy that we can come out of this that hopefully not only is good for our, our, school district, but maybe for our culture as well, that you're learning, that you've been learning and seeing. Because I think COVID was, in years to come, I think we may look at the pandemic as being a really transformative time in a lot of ways, because it's forced, it's forced us to look at the very worst of us and the very best of us. Um, what would be the legacy you hope we get from it? Well, I, one of the things we... We required students to learn more independently than they have often been asked to learn. And many were very successful in that environment. And one of the legacy changes at our high school that we're going to see because of what happened during COVID, we, we had the unique opportunity to pass a referendum weeks after the world shut down and then had the opportunity to design a high school that was going to be fully remodeled and redesigned out of that time period. And there is more collaborative space, more breakout space, more individual areas where students can go and work on their own hmm. um, than I think we would have had in that high school had we built it just two or three years, years earlier. And I think that that's partly a reflection of knowing that there are a lot of students that when they become 16, 17, 18 years of age, can be given a certain amount of direction mm -hmm. and support and then do a lot more independently than they have historically in, in an American high school. And I really enjoy seeing how quickly our staff and our students have adapted to the new space where we can learn something together for a while. And then we're going to spread out in these different breakout spaces and work in collaborative teams or as individuals, and then come back and share what we've learned, ask questions, go to the next thing together. But that's so much like a lot of the modern workplace, mm -hmm. that the modern workplace has opportunities for people to work in a whole group, to work in small collaborative teams, to do some work individually, to bring it back to the small team and, and try something, test it out, see if it worked, uh, bring an idea forward that was different than how we did it in the past. Right. And I hope that our school, because of being designed during COVID and post-COVID, that the legacy of that high school will be one that is that it is situated to meet the needs of a future generation and a current generation in a way that most high schools that were designed only a few years ago almost can't. Okay. There's a, a quote from Mark Twain that I, I like to call on. He uh, It's from a, a story. It's like a Bakersfield is the name of a town, something of the the troubles of Bakersfield. Anyways, the the uh, premise of it is this stranger comes into town and he uh, has this treasure map, but he's only given 
copies or pieces of it to different people. And so then after he, you know, kind of fades in the woodwork for a while, and while he's left these pieces, the village has to figure out a way to get the pieces together and figure out what's real, what's not real, what the real symbols are, you know, uh, pointing people to and what they weren't. And it just causes all this dissension and distrust and animosity. And, uh, and it, it's, terrible because the village had been this wonderful idyllic place beforehand and everyone seemed to get along wonderfully they were very nice to one another all that stuff um and they learned from this process he comes back and says there never was a treasure map there never was a treasure i just did this to test you all so and don't you know that the weakest of all weak things is a virtue not tested by fire not there's a lesson for all of us right we we are no longer a weak thing by virtue of this fire that we've been through. And it, it's encouraging to me to talk with somebody that has really grasped the principle there that don't, don't run from the fire. You know, the fire is an opportunity to learn, to see something differently. Um, and maybe that's the thing we need to pass on is that, that attitude. Um, Cause if we can learn that next one won't be so hard. Right. And to connect the episodes that we've had a chance to share, that when the fire does get too hot, that we need to make sure it's okay to talk about that. Yeah. And that if you took a risk and the fire got too hot or life just got too hot, that we've talked a lot about mental health while we've been together over these last four, four episodes and the need that as a community, we not only agree to be tested every once in a while and feel that there's growth that can come out of that. Right but that when we have members of our community, whether they're young people or they're the parents and other generations in the community that are feeling isolated or exhausted or they're not mentally well, that we also make space where people can talk about that and make sure that they, they find ways to get help. Yeah. And, and that will make us, make us a stronger community, not only because we, we stood up and had our virtue tested, but that we also made sure that when we were lonely or that we were depressed or not mentally well that we we still stuck together we were kind to each other and that we found ways to pull each other out of that time too folks my guest for the past four weeks has been jeff wright local superintendent i always want to say state superintendent maybe i'm hoping that someday you would be the state superintendent no he's just he's just the sauk prairie school district superintendent um jeff it's been just a joy a pleasure thank you so much for taking the time Thank you. Um, I, I hope that you didn't put off too many people on your cell phone while you were we were talking. Uh, it's been always great to talk. Always great to kind of open up the doors of education again for me, at least, and, and talk about that. So, pleasure. Thank pleasure. you, and the doors are open to everybody listening as well. Excellent. Thank you, sir. We'll uh, be right back with closing thoughts for this four-week session on Frame of Reference. Don't go anywhere on 99.7 Max FM's Digital Network.